Hello there, this is Pastor Jerry. So glad you're tuning in. Uh, of course, as you know, because of the virus, we're, uh, we're not allowed to meet in big groups. Um, you know, and out of respect to our president and uh, elected officials who have decided these things, uh, we're, uh, we've got an empty room here. But hey, I'm with you right now in your room or in your house, praise God, or watching by phone or whatever you're watching by, praise God. So I just want to um, thank you for tuning in and uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the service. Um, we're believing it'll, uh, it'll bless you. I called it uh, Steps of Commitment, uh, dealing with some things with Abraham's life. And so I hope you get blessed by it. Anyway, we love you, call you blessed, and uh, just give God praise for you. All right, God bless. We're going to, again, uh, open up the Word of God to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I've been doing a series on our midweek services, uh, just dealing with um, our patriarchs of faith. And um, so I'm just going to continue to follow that series and uh, just move along as, as we would normally do. So uh, we have, uh, well, let's, let's read the verse first here. Verse chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians and verse 11, it says this, Now all these things happened to them, now of course in context, talking about the children of Israel, all these things happen to them as examples or types, shadows, uh, a pattern or whatever. And they were written for our admonition or instruction or teaching upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now, the idea is and what we've been talking about is really just the taking our patriarchs of faith one by one and taking their life um, and just looking at some of the things that they did right, some of the things they did wrong. Uh, that we can learn from it, that becomes our example. Now, in context, you know, the children of Israel here, they, uh, you know, they, they didn't necessarily do everything right. They got in a little bit of trouble uh, from, uh, uh, just for some of their actions. And so, uh, obviously, that's something we don't want to do. But um, uh, we have been looking at, you know, like I said, the good, the bad, and the ugly of some of our patriarchs of faith. Uh, we started this whole thing beginning of the year talking about David and took his life, took several weeks and defined his life and uh, some good and some bad that in his life. Uh, a few weeks back, we started with the life of Abraham. And we talked, uh, um, in fact, out of uh, Romans 4, uh, it talks about walking uh, in the steps of faith uh, of our father Abraham. Of course, he referred to as the father of our faith. So walking in the steps of our faith. So I've been talking about really, in a sense, the steps that Abraham took and what we're to follow after. The word Walk uh, in uh, that verse there, Romans 4, it means to march in an orderly fashion, to keep step or rank, and it literally bring, brings it out like it's a military thing. So we're to walk or march uh, in the steps, uh, which means tracks. Uh, it's defined as tracks left by another that can be seen and followed. So we're to march after the tracks. In other words, the same tracks that our father Abraham left is what we're to march after or to follow after. The Scripture also tells us in Galatians 3 and 9, says, So then those who are of the faith or of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. In other words, if we're going to walk this thing, then we're obviously going to have to connect with believing Abraham. Amen. Or faithful Abraham, some translations say. John 8, we see the story where Jesus is uh, talking to uh, some religious leaders at the time, and they're saying, well, we're of our father Abraham. You know, we're of Abraham. And, 
And he said, well, if you're of Abraham, uh, then you are to uh, uh, do the works of Abraham. Well, uh, that's, that's pretty valid. If you're going to say you're of Abraham, then you should do what Abraham did. Amen. And so here we are today talking about the different things that Abraham did. Uh, we started it talking about the steps of obedience, things that he did, how Abraham followed uh, as the Lord led. Uh, he didn't necessarily do everything 100% uh, across the board, but he did move forward. He did take some steps, and as a result of it, he goes down in history as a man of faith, and by his faith, by his actions, uh, you know, he becomes an example to us. Amen. We also seen steps of what we called separation, uh, things like uh, separating from temptations, negative influences, wrong reliances, things that, uh, things that will try to uh, dictate or lead our life uh, other than God. And so we, we took some time with that. We also looked at it in a sense of a New Testament uh, uh, perspective. Uh, being sanctified, set apart, made different. Uh, part of our life, if we're going to do this thing right, there's going to be times when you're going to have to separate yourself from things. There's certain things, maybe all your life you did it this way, but, but in order to, to step up, to go higher, to be different in God, you're going to have to separate yourself from some of that stuff. So it's just a, it's a good thing to know, and Abraham was a good example of that. Also, we saw uh, last week was steps of what we called impossibility. In other words, stepping beyond the realm of limits into a realm of possibility. And we've seen that in Abraham's life. You know, the man was willing to believe God in some things that most people wouldn't believe. You know, I mean, it was just, it, was, it seemed impossible to everybody. And so you and me uh, also have to take those kind of steps. We're going to have to trust God in some things, even when it doesn't look like it can happen or doesn't look like it's going to work. But just because the Lord uh, led us, directed us, guided us, uh, or talking to us about things, you've got to be willing to move forward. You've got to be willing to take those steps. Amen. Uh, step out of that realm of limitation. Step into a realm of possibility, praise God, a realm where all things are possible. Uh, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ask or think, according to that power that's working in you. Amen. So you've got you to give Him something to work with. Amen. And as you move forward, as you step out in faith, praise God, all of a sudden those impossibilities start becoming possible, praise God. So anyway, uh, those are the things we've talked about so far. Uh, tonight, we're going to go to Genesis 17. Genesis 17, again, talking some more about Abraham. But tonight I'm going to call it, uh, really I'm just going to call it Steps of Commitment. Um, I think that's a good thing to, to take a look at. And if anybody was a good example of that, obviously it was Abraham, a uh, man that uh, really was committed to the Lord. So we're going to go to verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 1 is where we're going to start. And it just says this, and when Abraham was 99 years old, praise God, 99, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, in other words, or El Shaddai, Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you. Talking to Abraham, my covenant's with you, and you shall be a father, here we go, of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be uh, Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. So there's a name change. I think we touched on that briefly last week. Um, 
The first one, of course, Abram, meaning an exalted father, where he went now to Abraham, taking really, in a sense, the covenant, taking on the name uh, of, of, of God, uh, connected with his name, which made him then a father of a multitude or a father of a great multitude, praise God. And he goes on, verse 6, say, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations. So that includes you, or, you and me. For an everlasting covenant, it goes on to say, to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan uh, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you, and your descendants after you, every male child, now here we go, every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in your flesh of your foreskin. Now, I don't know, uh, that to me it just doesn't sound pleasant or fun, all right? But um, it's the sign of the covenant, because it goes on to say, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. It's really the shedding of blood. So uh, again, my message isn't necessarily about covenant tonight, but uh, this here, the circumcision is about uh, the seal of the covenant here. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is because what you see here is uh, really a step of commitment, I mean, you got to be committed if you're going to do this, okay? Remember, he's 99 years old, okay, and being circumcised, okay? And every male uh, child, every male person that, that's there uh, that works for him uh, and their kids, uh, male uh, sons, all of them have been now circumcised, okay? So that's a huge commitment, all right? So what we're doing, we're seeing uh, a real, uh, maybe a greater degree of devotion is what I, maybe I'll say it that way. Now, if you remember um, um, 2 Chronicles 20, uh, James 2, we see an also uh, a reference, and we might even read that one here in a bit. But Abraham is referred to as the friend of God. He's the friend of God. And so... This is one of the reasons he's referred to as the friend of God, because he's willing uh, to take this step of commitment, uh, this, this committed love, this devotion, uh, you know, unto God. Uh, as we're going to see here in a minute, too, this, his, uh, uh, the fear of God uh, in him was, was uh, at a greater level than probably most. Uh, just this man was devoted. This man was committed. All right. So obviously, uh, when you start talking about circumcision, uh, we're talking about a commitment here. Uh, so anyway, we see that. So let's now let's turn a couple chapters by. Let's go to chapter 22. And this is now is already the whole scenario. Isaac already is born and uh, growing up now. And and so we have a story here. Now remember, we're talking about really steps of commitment. OK, uh, we're seeing uh, Abraham as a great example of somebody who's committed, all right, committed to God, all right. Verse 1 of chapter 22 says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. 
And then he said, take now your son, uh, your only son, Isaac. I thought that was kind of interesting. He said, your only son, because we know he had more than one son, but he's obviously that's the promised child. So take your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land. Now, you notice it says whom you love. So this is this is interesting because he's talking about now uh, he's, he's now uh, taking the uh, this prized possession so to speak, taking, if I could say, uh, what's most precious to him, all right? So this son in whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering uh, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So this already now starting to become uh, pretty serious here. So we're talking about now commitment, all right? Verse 3, so what did Abraham do? Well, of course, he went off and he cried. No, no. It said he rose early the next morning and saddled his donkey. In other words, no hesitation. Next morning, he's up, he's on it, and took two of his young men, in other words, a servant men that were there uh, with him, and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, just, just take note of this. Verse 4 then on the third day, Abram lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. So this wasn't like uh, just a, uh, a little short hop, skip, and a jump away here. This, this man, uh, we're talking about a three-day journey to get to this mount, okay? So uh, we're not only seeing a, uh, you know, there's no hesitation in him. He gets up the next day. He goes, does what God wants him to do. He's, I mean, he's had three days to think about what God's asked of him. And he's still doing it. He ain't backing down. There's no, uh, there's no staggering in him. There's no hesitation in him. He's just getting after it, praise God. So on the third day, he lifts up his eyes and he sees the place afar off. And Abram said to, his, uh, to the young men there, stay here with the donkey. And he goes on to say, the lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we, you notice it says we, we will come back to you. All right. So obviously, uh, you know, he knows what he has to do. But he also, by faith, knows, amen, that he, this, this son of his is coming back, amen, is coming back with him, praise the Lord. So Abraham took the, wool, the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Oh, wait, sorry, back up here. Let's go to verse 5. I won't jump to verse here. And Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and, and the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the, the wood, there we go, uh, of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Uh, then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And uh, so he obviously know there's going to be an offering. Uh, but, you know, the boy's not, not stupid. He's figuring something out here, you know. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb. Now, I was, I was even reading this earlier today. I was kind of meditating on this. And I was thinking uh, he, he's provided for himself the lamb. I, mean, I just think about, you know, the, uh, you know, he knows he's offering up a lamb. You know, in that wild. I mean, so he's calling his son the lamb. All right. Anyway, I just think about that when you start thinking about covenant, and you start thinking about how the Father offered up uh, Jesus as uh, the Lamb of God. You know, anyway, just that whole thing is just, to me, a just powerful thing. So he's, he has for, uh, offer, providing for himself the Lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. 
Then they came to the place of which God had told uh, him, and Abraham built an altar there, placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. Now, we don't see any struggle in Isaac, uh, which is amazing. It ain't like he's some little infant here. Um, you know, he's a young, young lad here, but uh, the boy, I mean, obviously he's capable of running away if he had to. Uh, I just, I don't know, the whole thing to me is pretty phenomenal because not only are we seeing Abraham willing to go through with this, but somehow enough, Isaac had enough faith in his dad, uh, you know, and enough faith in God that he was willing to let it, let it happen. I don't know, this is, I don't know, it's just a phenomenal uh, story. So uh, anyway, uh, let's see, verse uh, 9 again. So they came to the place, uh, built the altar, the wood's on the altar, uh, bound Isaac, and then laid him on the altar upon the wood. And verse 10 says, And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He's, he's go following through with it. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not... Uh, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know, here we go, now I know that you fear God. In other words, you've got a sense of, of commitment, a reverence, a respect for God here. You're willing to follow through no matter what. Now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Praise God. Hallelujah. No holding back. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket uh, by, it, by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And it goes on to say, And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, which is a lot of times we refer to it um, when we're talking about the names of God, Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Yuri, uh, depending on, I think actually the J is silent. But, uh, but anyway, uh, the Lord who provides. I just thought it was interesting you know, we look to God as a God who provides, and this place was referred, was named by uh, Abraham as Jehovah Jireh and, uh, because God did provide. But you notice God provided uh, after Abraham did what he did. I just thought that's something to think about. You know, we're, we're calling on Jehovah Jireh to meet our needs, and, uh, but yet sometimes we're not even willing to follow through with anything, uh, to move forward when God leads, you know, because uh, maybe we don't have that kind of commitment level on the inside. Maybe our, our love for God isn't quite as, as deep as we might think it would be. Um, so I don't know, just something to think about, you know, when you start thinking about him being our provider, um, it, that's, that didn't come into play until after Abraham did what he did. Anyway, of course, it goes on to say, um, then the angel of the Lord, verse 15, called Abraham a second time out of, out of heaven and said, uh, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, look at that, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. He goes on then, here we go, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply uh, and, and will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on uh, the seashore, and your descendants shall possess, here we go, shall possess to take or occupy the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned uh, to, uh, to his young men, the guys waiting down at the bottom of the mountain here, 
And they, they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. So anyway, um, I just thought there's a lot of cool things about this. But bottom line is we see a level of commitment. Uh, not only do we see in earlier chapters the commitment of circumcision, uh, but we see in this chapter the commitment of a man willing to offer up his son, uh, his prized possession, the promised child. Um, in fact, um, let's, uh, let's read uh, out of Hebrews. We'll go to Hebrews and chapter 11. And I want to just show you something here. I thought this was uh, pretty interesting. Hebrews 11. Hopefully you uh, all got an ear to hear. Amen. Here we go. Verse 17 of Hebrews 11 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, here we go, talking about the same story we just read, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said in Isaac, now remember this is what God said to him, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Okay, in other words, it's coming through the lineage of Isaac here, all right, through him, through his son Isaac. Concluding, now get this, concluding that God was able to raise him up, talking about Isaac, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So, uh, in fact, one translation uh, brings out that he saw Isaac raised up from the ashes. So when, when when Abraham told those men, when he went up that mount, he says, me and the lad will be back. Abraham wasn't just thinking that God wouldn't let me go through with this. Abraham was literally willing to go through with this. And because he saw in his, in his inner man how God, even after the boy was going to be slain. Now listen, not only slain, but a burnt offering. So we're talking about he's going to, the fire, that's why the fire, the sticks, everything was there. He's going to light the fire. The boy's going to uh, be offered up as a burnt offering. And he saw, because of what God said to him about, through this son, I'm going to raise up a nation. Okay, so he saw from the ashes this boy being raised up. So Abraham literally saw in his inner man God performing a massive miracle uh, by raising up his son. I thought that was pretty powerful. Amen. So it wasn't just that, you know, Abraham didn't know about some ram being caught in the thicket. Uh, He was willing to follow through with this. Now, I mean, you talk about commitment. That's commitment. I mean, most people wouldn't even, most people, you can't even get them to, uh, to put God above their kids, let alone be willing to offer up their kid. I mean, now praise the Lord, God ain't doing that right now. Hallelujah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a serious thing. It's a commitment, uh, you know, uh, what Abraham was willing to do here. So uh, anyway, we see a, a love for God, a reverence for God, because it even said that uh, now I see that, that you fear God, that you have a reverence for God, that, that God is your priority, that you have a, this uh, committed love toward God, this devotion toward God. Amen. Praise God. Let's, since we're in the New Covenant, let's go back a couple more chapters and go to uh, James. Or let's go to James, I mean, a couple books here. James 2, and I want to read, I think I'll just do verse 20. And it says this, But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith 
without works is dead, okay? And it's, it's lifeless if there is no works. And that word works there means corresponding action. So if there is no corresponding action, okay, you could talk, you're, you're believing all day long that you have faith in something all day long, but if there's no corresponding action, if we can't even see it in your action, if we can't see it in your words, if we can't see it in, in your attitude, if we can't see that, uh, then, then you have to say that that faith that you say you have is a lifeless thing, all right? It's lifeless, all right? So now get this. Was not Abraham, our father, justified or made right, right, by works or by this corresponding action when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? That's verse 21. Now, verse 22. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, in other words, his corresponding action, and by works, faith was made perfect or complete. Now, so then you see this in the life of Abraham, a man where literally it says here that Abraham had a faith that was complete, a faith that was whole, all right, perfect, all right? So now, now we know, uh, according to Genesis, that Abraham didn't do everything perfect, but we see by this time, this boy wasn't wavering. This boy was committed here. Uh, he had enough uh, enough. Uh, maybe I could say enough sense, uh, you know, because of everything that's happened up to this point to know that whatever God says you do, all right, just follow God and it works, okay? And uh, uh, so we see definitely some obedience to follow what God said. We see, as I said, when God said, do this, the next morning he's up, he's saddling the donkey, uh, grabbed the wood, the, uh, the boy, got some uh, helpers to take. They went three-day journey. Uh, they do what they have to do, get up on that mountain, and all the whole story uh, transpires. And, and uh, what we see is a man that was willing to follow through. There was no, no hesitation. And that's why in Romans 4, when it talks about his life, uh, there's no wavering in him. It was at this time we see no wavering. The boy, uh, the, pardon me, the, the, the father knew exactly what he wanted to do, uh, he's taking his son, gonna, he knows exactly what needs to be done because his father, heavenly father, told him what to do. So anyway, I just say it's, it's a powerful thing, uh, a step of commitment. Praise the Lord. Now, um, let's see here. Let's do this. I want to go to uh, Mark because now how does this relate to you and me? So Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 12. It's a common text, but um, in the light of what we're hearing, because, uh, you know, if we're to follow in the steps of faith of, of our father Abraham, uh, you know, in those tracks that are left for one to follow, and one of those steps is a step of commitment, a, a, a step of of committed love or devotion, we see in a whole new level of the fear of God here. And by the way, for, uh, you know, we've talked many times about the fear of God. And, you know, the, there's only one way really that, that, that refer, or pardon me, that, that determines whether you're walking in the fear of God or not. And that's obedience. That's following and, and, and following what he asks, following what he leads. In fact, if you take some time in Proverbs, especially Proverbs 1, and then as you, as you kind of get a hold of that in Proverbs 1, you can see it threaded throughout the whole book of Proverbs. When it talks about the fear of God, what determines the fear of God is somebody following God when he asks, when he leads, when he directs, 
So you can say all day long you got the fear of God or a reverence toward God, but if you ain't willing to follow when he leads, you, you know, you're really just you're kind of spitting in the wind. Uh, so uh, it, it don't mean much. So that's why it says, too, that faith without some kind of corresponding action is really lifeless. It's dead. All right. So uh, Abraham had a perfect faith at this time. He had a, a faith that was whole and complete because he had a corresponding action that followed, amen, what he said he believed. All right. And it, it showed. So we're in chapter 12 of Mark. And verse, uh, just kind of verse 28 says, And one of the scribes came to Jesus, all right, having heard uh, them reasoning together. Uh, perceiving that he had, uh, had answered them well. In other words, Jesus was talking to some other folks. He came and listened, heard it. He was impressed by what he said. And he asked, he said, which is the first commandment of all? Okay. So uh, Jesus then answered and said, well, the first. So he, he quotes some stuff out of, out of uh, Deuteronomy. Okay, we see uh, the, you know, the, uh, the beginning of the Ten Commandments. He says, the first of all, the, com- the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Okay, that's where it starts. Okay, now the word one here, uh, he's, uh, or heis, okay, that's how it's pronounced, I believe. It means first, uh, alone, only, uh, every primary. These are all some of the synonyms for it, but it refers to what's first in significance and first in importance. So he says that the Lord, our God, the Lord is first, He's one. He's first in significance and importance. Okay. Now, uh, you know, since, you know, we have nobody in the house today, you're just kind of out there watching and listening. Um, you know, uh, I would hear probably a lot of amens because uh, when somebody says, you know, God's first, amen. You know, he's, he's, our, he's, our, he's first in, in importance, amen. He's first in significance, amen. You know, everybody's going to agree with that, but... Uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, is there going to be any corresponding action? That's what we got to find out. Is there, is there, is there a commitment level? Uh, are we willing to take the steps of commitment uh, that we're not just saying you're first, uh, you know, we seek you first. Uh, it's, it's a matter of we actually follow through with it. All right. So verse 30, which is, of course, the common verse that we all know. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. So in other words, if he is one, if he's the Lord, our God, the Lord is one or first in significance and importance, then here you go. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And of course, we know the the next one like it is love your neighbor as yourself. All right. So, uh, of course, that'd be another sermon. But the bottom line is it starts with loving God. Now, this word love, okay, uh, uh, is agapeo. Okay, not just agape, but agapeo, which means a total commitment. So we're seeing kind of the new covenant uh, version of what we're talking about with Abraham's life, taking steps of commitment that if we're going to say, okay, we need to follow after them steps, follow in those tracks, then what do we do? What does that mean? Well, it starts with loving God with all your heart, being committed in your heart, all right? So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, okay? So these, he lists four different things here. So be 
have a committed love, all right, uh, agapeo, a total commitment, a giving of oneself, a binding of oneself. Uh, it also means I can't do without. It's a dedication. Uh, it's a devotion, an affection, uh, a given attention. All this kind of fits into this word agapeo, all right? But it's talking about three different areas here. The heart, the soul, the mind, and our strength, all right? Now, so let's, I think what we need to do is just take them, we'll kind of define them out and take a look at it. The heart, cardia, which we get a word cardio, uh, means middle, center, uh, core, but it's referring to uh, the, the seat of control is how it's defined. The decision maker, the will comes out of that. Your character all comes out of that. Uh, so the seat of control, all right, the seat of control. Um, so basically the decision maker, everything's coming out of the heart of man. Jesus even said, uh, you know, uh, talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly, it all comes out of the heart. Um, you know, somebody say, well, that person, he's got to, you know, even though he does all this stuff, he's, you know, he's ornery, he does this, he does that, but he, he still has a good heart. Well, uh, really scripturally he doesn't. Okay. The heart needs some work. Okay. So, cause what's coming out of that individual is what's in their heart. Uh, the word even says that out of the uh, uh, out of your heart come uh, come words. Okay, that uh, you know the the mouth speaks uh, out of the abundance of what's in the heart. Uh, Proverbs uh, Solomon brought out that uh, that in the heart are the issues of man. All the issues of life that come out that are out here that are around us are based on the heart of men. What comes out of men? All right. So uh, so if there's a lot of junk, in other words. If the corresponding action is this, that determines what's in there. So think about this, okay? So we're to love God with all our heart. In other words, somewhere along the line, this heart needs to be totally committed so that what comes out is going to show forth a commitment towards your God, all right? A seat of, a seat of control, all right? Now let me kind of... Uh, Define the rest of these, and then we'll, I got something I want to show you here. So the word soul now, okay, love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. This word soul, uh, suke, which means everything from a breath, but it refers to a vital force, but it refers to the emotions, desires, and affections. So it refers to the seed of the feelings and the emotions. Okay, so now we talk about a seed of control with the heart. Now with the... Uh, with, um, the soul, we're seeing now the seat of feelings or the emotions, okay? So in other words, now we're going to have to be committed even in the area of our emotions and our feelings, all right? Now, we've talked a lot about that you know, from this pulpit uh, over the years um, because sometimes, you know, the feelings and the emotions is what can hang you up. You know, you can, uh, you can say you love God all day long, but then all of a sudden something happens. This goes on, that goes on. Now you're under pressure. And uh, we, we, because your feelings or your emotions, they get kind of caught up in it. Next thing you know, you're backing up, you're quitting. But we're seeing that there's no total commitment in that area because your emotions have got the best of you. Your feelings have got the best of you. All right? Now, just hang on to that. Okay? So then what's the next one now? The mind. Okay? So love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Okay? This word mind is referring to deep thought. Okay, if you just look it up, it means deep thought or imagination, referring to the understanding or the exercise of the mind. So we had the, the, the heart being the seat of control. We had the soul being the seat 
of feelings or emotions. And now we're seeing the mind as the seat of reasoning, okay? The reasoning, okay? The process and uh, analyzing and, and mentally uh, putting things together. Remember, it's the, uh, how does that define it again? It defines it as the exercise of the mind. So the deep thought, in other words, you're sitting here processing and trying to put two and two together. And, and, uh, and then what happens if you don't watch it, your mind, so you process everything. And pretty soon you, you let your mind begin to dictate. And even though God is trying to lead you and direct you, but because the seat of, the, of reasoning um, is, is uh, you know, that reasoning, that, that uh, uh, processing, that mental processing has, has got the best of you. So what happens is now you're not, you're not uh, in a place of letting God lead because you know, you think you know better or you think you know more, or whatever. Now, nobody's really just going to announce that. Nobody's going to say, you know, I know more than God. Nobody's even going don't, to, I don't even know if a heathen would even say that. I don't know. But anyway, maybe they would. But, uh, uh, you know, I definitely know there ain't no Christian that's going to say, uh, yeah, I know more than God. Nobody's going to verb, you know, nobody's going to actually say that. But there's a lot of people that think it, okay, because God's trying to lead you and direct you, but you think you know better. So you, you're going to go what route you want to go because... In all honesty, there's no total commitment in that area of your life. Okay, now hang on. Next one. What's the last one now? It says uh, the strength, okay? The word strength there means force, might, means to extend energy, or uh, literally means to extend energy in order to carry something out, okay? But it's talking about the seat of one's ability, uh, one's own strength, one's own ability, okay? So a lot of times what happens, we get hung up too because... We're too busy trying to do everything in our own power, in our own strength. Now, you say, well, what, what, what's all this have to do with this? Well, uh, some of you maybe already saw, if you're watching, you know, I got some chairs over here. And, uh, uh, you know, a couple of years back, I did, I did some of this and, and uh, kind of one of those, uh, uh, you know, things that just, you know, put there in front of you. So maybe it'll help uh, give you a visual here. Um, but I put four chairs here in front. And uh, what we have is the, 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 the seat of control, the heart, the seat of the emotion or the feelings, which is the soul, and uh, uh, the mind, which is the, uh, the seat of reasoning, and then the last one being uh, our own strength or the seat of our own ability, uh, our own power. And so what I have is four chairs. Now, uh, what, what we have when he says here to love the Lord, in other words, a total commitment or dedication, or devotion toward God, amen, uh, 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 to love the Lord with all, so we're talking about all now, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So now he says all, okay, he says all of it, okay, so what he's saying is there's a seat here, all right, and what it means here is to, uh, we're talking about a commitment now, total commitment. What God wants to do is be crowned king uh, in each one of these seats. Now, we all have a heart or a will, we could say. Um, God, ain't, God ain't taking that away from you. We all have uh, a soul, okay? We have, um, you know, uh, emotions, 
We have feelings. Uh, God isn't taking that away from you. Uh, we all have a, a, a mind or reasoning. Uh, you know, God's, uh, you know, ain't taking your reasoning away from you. In fact, there's a few people I wish they'd, they'd do a, a little bit more reasoning, maybe on some things. You know, uh, you know, just use your head once in a while. Amen. Uh, anyway, oh, whatever. But anyway, then you have also those, uh, or, or probably the seat of our uh, abilities, our strength, um, our, our own power. And God isn't even taking that away from you. But what God's asking is for you to love God with all of it. Now, the way to do that, the only way to do that is to let him be crowned king in each one of these chairs, each one of these seats. All right. So uh, what happens is we sit in it and we're in control. This is my my will. Uh, this is, uh, you know, who I am. And, and he says, listen, but I, I, need to, I need to lead you. I need to direct you. I, I, I need you to step up your game, so to speak, in an area of commitment because of where I'm trying to take you, what I'm trying to do with you, what I'm trying to do uh, for you. And we can go on and on and on here. But what happens is because you're strong-willed and you don't want to give up the chair, you don't want to give up the seat. So what happens is he can't lead you in that area. So there's really no loving God here with all your heart. So he needs you to step out of that seat. Again, he's not taking anything from you. He just says, let me be king in that seat. All right. So there's one. I, I need to, he needs to be king in this seat. Okay. The seat of the soul. The, uh, it's defined again as the emotions. Uh, the feelings. Uh, God hasn't, isn't taking away your feelings, not taking away your emotions. All he's saying is that let me be crowned king in this seat. Let me be able to lead and guide you. The, the emotions, the feelings, they're a wonderful thing when, when they're submitted to God. They're a, they're a one, they can be a wonderful thing. Well, just uh, being, you know, I think, I think we as human beings, uh, especially as Christians, Ought to be uh, have some some feeling and some emotion into this, amen. Instead of being some some you know brick just laying there, some stump laying there. I mean, we ought to have some emotion. We ought to have some feeling, but they ought to be submitted to God. If they're not submitted to God, all right, then what happens is they begin to dictate because you're in the chair, you're running it, and if you're running it, then then your emotions, no matter what God's trying to do, what God's trying to lead. Your emotions, your feelings are, are dictating. They're now controlling you. That's why he says you got to love God with all your heart, with all your soul. And then again, here we are now with all your mind, your reasoning, the seat of reasoning. It's real easy. You know, we sit here uh, and we process mentally. And we've all been designed uh, with a brain uh, that, that should function, that you could begin to reason and process. And we've been even made and designed to know answers. God doesn't want everybody ignorant. He wants people to know things. So we've been designed with a, with a mind, with, with uh, uh, you know, a mental faculties, the, where our mind can be exercised to know things. Uh, but what happens is, Pretty soon, you're the only one in the seat. You're running the seat. So what happens is now you think it's all based on you, on your mental uh, faculties, on your mental reasoning. Well, your reasoning could be off. You might be spot on or you might be completely off. So 
We have to, we have to let him take the seat, let him be crowned king in this seat. So that at least when you're, when you're processing things, the Spirit of God can intervene, can kind of get in the middle of those thoughts, begin to maybe uh, tweak your thoughts a little bit, begin to uh, maybe in a sense get you uh, to move just a degree or two here in one direction or another, so that at least when the final outcome comes, that you get the answer that you're supposed to have, you get the solution, you get the, uh, the final, you know, what you need to move forward in the area of mental processing, that at least he's involved in it, so that at least you have the right answer in the end. Because he needs to be king. And again, the last seat, uh, the seat of, uh, uh, of, of the, uh, our, our strength, uh, of our own abilities. In fact, the scripture talks about it's not by our might, it's not by uh, our own strength or our own abilities, but by his spirit. Uh, but the only way that's going to happen is if you have him sitting in this seat, being crowned king in this seat, and where it isn't you just trying to, to carry everything out in your own strength. Now, praise the Lord. Uh, we've been designed to, to work with our hands. Um, we, the word's pretty, pretty clear, too, that we're not necessarily supposed to live by the sweat of our brow, but at the same time, we ought to be willing to work and put our hands to something. Uh, you don't work, you don't eat. You know what I mean? So there's, there's, we can go, kind of go on and on and on about several verses that deal with the fact that, that you still need to be doing some things. He, he's not telling you that you don't do anything. He says you got things to do, but he's got to be able to lead you and guide you. There's a lot of people, well, I'm working, I'm working three jobs because, you know, I got to make ends meet. Well, what if God doesn't want you, want you working three jobs? Well, it doesn't matter. I got to do that in order to make it. Well, God might say, you know, I'm trying to lead you so you don't have to work three jobs. That maybe if, I li- if you listen and give heed and follow what I'm leading, he says, then I can lead you to the right job, uh, you know, or the right place or the right uh, divine appointment or divine connection or uh, divine intervention. He, you know, but so we're, then, then your, your energies that are being extended are, are being led by God. So uh, there's a lot of people working their, uh, their self to the bone, so to speak, working their tails off, I can maybe say, uh, because they're just trying to do everything and meet every need any way they, they normally would have done. But now he's king. He needs to be king. If he's king in this seat, now he can lead you and guide you. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back behind these seats again, and I'm going to say what I said earlier, that he's not taking away your will. He's not taking away your emotions and feelings. He's not taking away your reasoning. He's not taking away your strength. These are all things that you were designed as a human being to have. And as long as they're submitted to God, it works right. If it's not, then we're, we're, we're probably heading in the wrong direction. We're probably doing the wrong things. And, and so uh, we're talking about being totally committed. As Abraham uh, showed, uh, steps of commitment. He followed God in those things. You know, I thought about this um, when it said that when he was at the bottom of the mount and getting ready to go up with Isaac up to the mount, um, the two men, he left the two men at the bottom of the hill. Now, I guarantee you, if he would have took those two men up the hill with him, I guarantee you those men would have probably wrestled him down, said, you ain't going to kill your boy. Because they would have thought just like you or me would have thought. This guy's nuts. But the man heard God, knew what he was supposed to do, 
And he wasn't going to let anything else get in the way of that. Now, the point of reason I'm bringing that up is because that a lot of times, if you don't watch it, our own strength, our own mind, our own reason, our own emotions, uh, you know, get caught up with this, you know, and pretty soon our own will, this stuff gets involved and pretty soon God's trying to direct you in a direction and you're too busy fighting it and warring with it. Uh, you're at enmity with God because you're, you're letting your own thinking, your own reasoning, your own emotions dictate, your own strength dictate. And so we miss out on things because... We're not taking the steps of commitment. We're not letting God be God in these areas of our life. Amen. Praise God. A, a, a good verse that kind of brings some things out. I thought this was pretty good in Romans chapter 8. You know, you all know how much I love Romans 8, right? And uh, I can just about every sermon bring up a verse in Romans 8. Uh, but the verse here, a common verse, and we know, verse 28 of Romans 8, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Okay, and then it goes, starts talking about the fact that you've been predestined, amen, and conformed to the image of His Son. So, but it says prior to that verse, talking about the Holy Ghost, uh, you know, praying in the Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost, letting the Spirit of God lead, be the intercessor, uh, you know, everything being prayed according to the will of God, and we know that all things are working together for good, right? We all, we all love that. A lot of people quote that, and they're not getting that. Not, not everything's working together for good. First off, because they're not submitted to God. They're not, they're not surrendering to God. It says First thing it says, that all things are working together for good to those who love God. That agapeo, total commitment to God. Because if you're not totally committed to God, you're not going to follow God. You're not going to let you're not let the Holy Ghost do anything or lead your guides. You're not going to let God direct you or anything. So what happens is all this mess that's going on continues to go on because we're not submitted to God. We're not committed to God enough to let Him lead or guide or direct us. Amen. I don't mean to depress anybody with that verse, but but I just think that that's you know it's amazing when you start thinking about a level of commitment. Even when it talks about those who love God will follow His commandments. And the word commandments there through the New Covenant is referring to, to utterances, okay? So to that which has been proclaimed or uttered or spoke, okay? So God speaks something, and it says those who love God will do what He speaks, what He says, will do what He commands, okay? So that's the same word again. Every one of those words is agapeo or total commitment. So, uh, you know, in order, uh, so we're talking about a faith that has corresponding action in these areas, that step of faith of our father Abraham is the fact that he was totally committed enough that when God began to lead and direct, even these things that were, I mean, we're talking about serious. We're talking about even, we're talking about circumcision, okay, of men who are full grown. Okay, there ain't nothing lightweight about that. Okay, now I'm talking from a man's perspective. Ain't nothing lightweight about that. That's a heck of a commitment, all right? So committed there, taking your son, offering up, up on, an, on an altar, a burnt offering, that's commitment. I mean, to follow through with that, that's, I mean, we're talking about, man, that's like, that's like ultimate total commitment. Okay, so, uh, you know, he's asking you and me now to just trust him enough, to believe in him enough, to be committed enough, to have enough fear of God in you that when God leads you and guides you in direction. Now, God ain't asking any of you to offer up your kid. All right. I mean, but he is asking you to trust him with your kid. You know, he may not be asking you to offer up uh, your job, but he wants you to trust him with your job. 
You know, you know, these are things that if, you know, we, we got to be committed enough to God where he can lead us somewhat. He can direct us. I, I think about ch- children of God who got calling in their life, gifting in their life, but they, they can't slow down enough to let God direct them and lead them. Uh, with that said, let's, I think I'm, I got a little time. I, I, wanna, I just want to go to uh, maybe one last text, okay? And let's do uh, Deuteronomy 30. Go back into the old covenant here for a minute, but uh, this is just a, kind of another way of saying this. And um, I don't know. I, to me, it's kind of a powerful verse. Deuteronomy thirty. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Now, I hope you're getting something today. Deuteronomy thirty. Now, I'll start with verse nineteen, it was, which is a common text, but kind of hear it in the light of, of what we're, where we're headed here. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. In other words, I've, I've laid some things out. In other words, you ain't going to have any excuse because I've, I've already declared everything. I've showed you everything. Okay, he says I, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Okay, so in other words, that's what he did. The last couple chapters, that's what he was doing. He's, uh, he's laid out before him the blessing, what it means to be blessed. He laid out the curse what it means to, to operate and see the curse in, in manifestation in your life. Well, now you know as well as I do, uh, nobody wants the curse. When you read about the curse, ain't nobody that wants it. But yet when you read about the curse, you see a lot of it around. And we probably all see hints of it here and there. Um, but when you read the blessing, we all love it. We all want the blessing. But he just makes a decision. He says, okay, choose life. Well, I mean, you think that's a no-brainer. You know, choose life, Right. Choose life that both you then and your descendants. In other words, it ain't just about you. The life choice that you make isn't just about you. Although, you know, I want to be blessed. I want to choose life, so I'm blessed. But I also have a family. I also have a church body uh, that, that uh, they, they count on, on me doing and, and doing what's right, and hearing, hearing God and following God and doing the right things and leading in the right direction. And so people depend on the choices that I make. And so, uh, you know, I mean, some, some of you might think, well, yeah, duh, you're the pastor. Well, you know, you have a family and you have uh, people that you connect with. You have a sphere of influence. Every one of you have, have some form of a sphere of influence uh, that you, there are people that you influence or impact or impart into uh, somehow or another uh, imprint in their life. So when he's talking about that you make a life choice so that you and those around you or those that are involved in your life, your descendants, your children, uh, your family, uh, you understand that, that it isn't just about you anymore. All right? So when I'm talking about a, a, a level of commitment, okay, we're talking about this isn't just about you staying blessed. It's about bringing that blessing uh, being in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, having the, the fullness of the blessing and complete manifestation in your life, in your household, in your church, in your business. We can go on and on here, all right? So then it says, it doesn't stop. It, it says that um, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And it didn't even stop. It's still in the same sentence that you may love. In other words, this is how it works that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him. Why? Well, for He is your life. He's your life. He is your life. 
All right, so, uh, you know, that's why we hang, that's why we connect, that's why we're committed to him, because he's our life. And it goes on to say, and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. So he's not only your life, he's also the length, I love this, the length of your days. Now, I tell you what, you know, with all the, the mess going on around uh, the world right now with this virus, and, um, you know, you think about this, you know, it would pay for you as a child of God to let God lead and follow and direct you. Have yourself submitted to him. Make choices of life. Let him be crowned king in the seat of control, the seat of uh, the motions and feelings, the seat of reasoning, the seat of ability, your own ability and strength. Let him be king in those areas. Why? Because it not, only, not only is he your life, but he is the length of your days, the length of your life. In other words, amen, you're promised a long life if you let him be king in those areas of your life. Now, it says here in this verse, it says, love him, obey, obey his voice, and cling to him. Okay, that's the three it mentions in this, in this uh, verse here. All right, so they, let's maybe define it a little bit. Uh, the word love here uh, just means uh, to associate with, to be a, a, a dear companion with, or a commu- a com- com- some communion or affection or attachment towards something. Okay, so he's talking about choosing life by loving him. Okay, by keeping company, by walking with him, communing with him, fellowship with him. That's what this word love here means, okay? It all makes sense, okay? So Abraham uh, obviously did that. The word says he was referred to as the friend of God. In other words, uh, an associate, a companion, one that had deep attachment and affection toward. So he obviously was uh, a man who loved the Lord, okay, and then obeyed his voice. This word is shema. Okay, which just means to hear with the intent to do, to give attention to what's being said and follow it, right? To give regard or agreement to, literally means to say yes. So when he leads and guides, see, it's talking about obeying his voice, right? Isn't that what it says? See, that you may obey his voice. So obviously we're talking about him talking to you. So it basically just means this, you're saying yes when he speaks to you. So you're not only developing a sense of intimacy with him, uh, this, uh, this companionship, this friendship, this, uh, you know, intimacy with him. But now as he begins to communicate, you're giving attention to it and you're following when he leads, when he, when he directs you or guides you. All right. So you're choosing life in this way by obeying his voice. You're choosing life by loving him, by obeying his voice or giving attention or heed to what he says. I think that's pretty simple. But then the third one, the word cling. Amen. And that you may what? Cling to him. Okay. Cling to him. Okay. Dabak. Okay. Is, I believe is how it's pronounced here in the Hebrew. And it means joined or stuck or glued to. And it refers to something that can't be separated, but it's referring to a sense of devotion or loving devotion. I mean, you're, you're following so close, you're like you're one. Okay. So in other words, we're choosing life by clinging to him, not just by loving him, not just by obeying his voice, but also by clinging to him. In other words, having a firm commitment to Him, amen, that you're a loving devotion to Him. So in other words, it's just another way to say that this total commitment comes in the picture uh, on all these areas, okay? So if, if we're going to have this thing work, we're going to have to be willing to let Him be crowned king in the seat of control, the seat of, of emotions and feeling, the seat of reasoning, and the seat of our own strength and ability, we got to let him be king. 
Amen. And that's what it means to be devoted to Him, to be committed to Him. Amen. That's what it means to really to walk in the fear of God. It's, it's, it's all plays into this, all right? So anyway, I, uh, you know, I felt like this is just another, uh, you know, another step that Abraham took, um, another step that we take, that we follow in. Amen. If we're going to make this thing work, then we got to be committed um, to this. And really, to be honest, you know, as that verse I brought out of Romans 8, you know, all things are going to work together, you know, if you stay committed, if you stay locked on, uh, you, you know, submit to Him, let, let Him lead. Uh, you know, we use that verse a lot of times out of uh, James about submit to God, resist the devil, and he flees. Well, you notice it first starts with submitting to God. So in other words, I'm, I'm devoted to God. So however how God leads is what I do, and then my resistance toward the enemy becomes easier and easier because I'm following God. You know, a lot of times, you know, we've, we've used this many times, that how, how much we, we can really strain ourselves at trying to resist the enemy you know, we're binding everything that moves. You know, we're, we're casting this down and casting that out. And we're, uh, you know, we're, we're calling every, every, you know, unclean spirit out and, and proclaiming the blood and doing, you know, all the things that are, you know, all the things we read in the Word uh, that, that become necessary at times. But when you're led by God, submitted to God, you can be led on how you resist. You know, if he says, just speak a verse, that's what you do. If he says, this is what you need to proclaim over your household. This is, you know, declare the blood. You know, you overcome by the blood of the land. I mean, that might come up, and that's what you do. You stand, uh, you know, you proclaim the blood. You know, you, you plead the blood or whatever. Uh, but, but all of it works when you're submitted to God first. Everything seems to function right because he's your life and he's your length of days. So anyway, I just thought this is, this is definitely an area that, that we can uh, glean from Abraham's life and, um, and you know, take, a, take those steps. These are just another one of them steps, one of those things that Abraham did. And uh, so anyway, uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I believe that you got, got something, you heard something here today, and I appreciate you dialing in, tuning in, praise God, and, and hearing the message today. And uh, so let me pray with you. Father, I just give praise and glory and honor. Thank you so much for the people that, that heard today, those watching and listening by Internet. Uh, Lord, I just, I just give praise and, and thanks that they, they had an ear to hear and a heart to receive, uh, that the eyes of their understanding even were enlightened, praise God, uh, that they're seeing things uh, that, that they need to see. They're, they're seeing the things that you're showing them, and, and they're knowing the things that you're trying to teach them, and, and uh, they're grabbing hold of this thing, that they can bear the fruit that they're called to bear, praise God, that they're choosing life every step of the way. So, Father, I give thanks, and I give glory for that. Thank you so much, amen, for uh, people of God uh, that were willing to hear it, and for that we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Now, if you're, uh, you're there uh, and, and maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you've never accepted Him, maybe you've never received Him as Lord, well, I'm telling you, this, this is the time to do it. The Word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says, you know, that if you believe in your heart that, uh, that He's Lord and confess with your mouth uh, that He's been raised, you know, talk about being raised from the dead. Uh, you know, as you've got these, uh, these things are, are uh, you know, working and flowing, amen, uh, uh, the Word says that you become a new creation. You become born again, the Bible says. Jesus even said that, being born again. You must be born again. Amen. A new species of being, a new, uh, a new creation in Christ. So I'm asking you, if, you don't, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, ask Him into your heart right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. I receive you now. I believe in you. I believe that you've been raised from the dead. Uh, I'm accepting you. And if you do that, praise God, the Word says that that happens. Whoever calls on Him 
shall be saved. So you can receive that, accept that, be thankful for that, praise God. And right now all of heaven's rejoicing as a result of it, praise God. So anyway, thank you for receiving him. Thank you for listening. Thank you for dialing in and, and, and listening to what we had to say today. We love you all. Call you blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.